0: Amen. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And we're thankful for that tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and good to see everybody that can make it in this night of miserable weather. Looks like fall is upon us, and it's only going to get worse for a few months. But... Uh, well, we're thankful for the roof over our heads, the ability to gather, and and the strength to be here tonight. Um, I just want to mention, uh, thank you, that's all the singing will do. Uh, I would have uh, had a video for you tonight, but I just couldn't quite get it together uh, because it needed some, uh, um, you know, the words written on it, I captioning, uh, because the accent. But uh, I've been getting some reports in from Uganda and uh, they continue to flow in. And three weeks ago, I got a report uh, from Brother Fred and said that they had just uh, been out uh, traveling and uh, had baptized a, a group of believers, about 250 people. And then a week after that, I got another report. And he says, well, we've been out again this weekend and, and uh, said we baptized another 300 people. And then this past weekend I got another report and, uh, he said, uh, we went out to an area that was a little distant, but, uh, they had been calling for meetings and there was much opposition. But nevertheless, he says the, and he sent me a video of the pastor of the church or of one of the pastors of one of the churches and how that two weeks ago he was, uh, uh, preaching against the message and the truth of the Godhead and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. But then God opened his eyes, and they sent me a video of of him preaching last weekend, true baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) And he was on fire. (laughs) Praise be to God. And last weekend they baptized about another 340 people. And so, I mean, if you just if that was a weekly average, that's just one man. That's just one ministry, Brother Fred. If you took that every week for a year, that'd be about fifteen thousand people. And then you add in what Brother Stephen Abali's doing over in another area. You add in what these pastors that have caught the revelation are going and doing in their own areas. Um, it's out of control, but God's in control. The devil has no control. And the opposition is rising up against it, but greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And and I'll begin traveling this Friday. Actually, we're we're traveling to a very rugged uh, outback area uh, that in the wilderness that's very hard to get to. It's northern Canada, and. Uh, uh, we'll be there for about 10 days in Grand Prairie and Edmonton and preaching in a, a number of churches there. And uh, uh, so we appreciate your prayers. We'll be back briefly. Then we're off to Africa, uh, Angola, uh, Uganda, and Ethiopia. We'll be on this trip into Africa. Then I'll be back briefly off to the United States. And then after that trip, off to India. And then I just got a call this morning from a brother in Europe who said, please, could you extend your trip to India and come back through Europe and have meetings on the way home? And I said, well, I says, I'll have to talk to my wife and see if she'll stay with me (laughs) if I do that. And so uh, I said, uh, well it's actually not the word I used I said, I actually want to make sure my wife won't divorce me If I do that, is what I told him He said, well you tell her my wife hasn't divorced me So <laughs> Sometimes traveling preachers leave their families And go off, Brother Mur- Brother Murphy, Sister Tracy knows what that's all about He goes for months over into China when he's able to And we sure appreciate him And all that God has done uh through his ministry over there in China. Amen. I want to just say one more thing and that is um, if you aren't already you'll want to keep abreast of the uh developments that are unfolding that we publish on our website, Bibleway.org. Uh so that's Bibleway.org. And uh uh, if you're not following that, you'll want to. If you haven't seen the documentary, part two of the documentary, it's about 47 minutes long. It's just tremendous insights there. And I, I can't even share with you some of the recent testimonies, but we're working right now on the Believer's Faith Challenge Report and hope to have that out by the end of October. And, uh, so that you'll be able to see some of the details. We have a lot of individual testimonies in this Believer's Faith Challenge Report coming out. And, uh, I was, I like the one from one brother where he said, he said, uh, my wife used to be the pastor, but now she's the one being pastored. <laughs> you know, when the word comes in, people get a revelation. <laughs> and it changes the dynamic of things. We thank God He changes our lives. Let's stand together and take the Bibles. If you have your Bible, I'm sure you do. we will return to the book of Revelation chapter 17. I've been in a subject or a thought out of the scripture here and we're going to take part three tonight on the mind that has wisdom and speaking about a greater than Solomon is here and the renewing of our minds and the putting on of the mind of Christ. And so that's, that's kind of our subject area that we're in. And let's read, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer before we read. Heavenly Father, as we're gathered together, with the saints that could make it in on a Wednesday night. Lord, we're thankful that You're present. That if it were only two or three that made it in tonight, You wouldn't look down upon that service, but You would come down in the midst of us. And you would make yourself known. i reminded of God. I think it was of the conversion of either it was uh, Dwight Moody or somebody. was just a little boy in a meeting. And the evangelist was just preaching his heart out because somebody sponsored the meeting. And a little boy came in and got saved. And through him, thousands of souls came to know you. Lord, you know what you're doing. You knew that we would be gathered here tonight, that we would open the pages of Your Word. We believe and trust that we have caught Your mind for the service tonight. We don't want the mind of a man, but we want You to come down, Father, and just make Yourself known in a special way amongst us. You know our my heart and, and the things that You have dealt with me on, Lord, many things that are, are too much to be mentioned. And so... If I could say it, Father, I just want to yield to you tonight. I just want you to direct this service the way you want it to go. Though it might be some instruction, though it might be some preaching, it might be uh, whatever it might be, Lord, we're just asking that the mind that has wisdom would be expressed tonight. Take complete control and come to the place that each one dwells at. For, Lord, if there's one thing we need, it's more revelation tonight. And we ask it, Lord, and we commit ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 17, and we'll start from verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters." "...whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth has been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns." And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration." And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast which thou sawest, which thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not And yet is, and here is the mind which has wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. As you have your Bibles open, I want to just point out a couple of things while we're here, because... Many times we're used to the terminology, the great whore, we know that's the Catholic Church, the seven, uh, uh, the seven heads or seven mountains on which the woman sits, referring to Rome. We, we see the what scarlet color and purple and all of these things and Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots representing that she was the mother church and the harlots were the daughter churches. But I don't want to dwell on the, uh, the individual aspect of identifying the corrupt system of Catholicism and denominationalism, but rather to look at John's response and God's response to John's response. And that John, when he saw the woman, the Bible says that uh, when he saw her, he says, I wondered with great admiration. And so there was something about it that would that caught his attention and caused him to see something maybe in a way that he shouldn't necessarily see it. But now John, and I'll just say this, John had the Holy Ghost. John at this time on the isle of Patmos was had, had many many years of experience in the ministry. He, he had walked with God. He was seeing these visions on the Isle of Patmos, and God was identifying many things to him through vision, and he was uh, recording it for our benefit, especially in the last days. But John, now looking at this woman, he's, he, he's caught up in admiration and, and struck with the different aspects of what he's seeing. And then the angel stops him and says, Why are you wondering? Why are you wondering? And he says, he says, I'll show you the mystery of this whole thing. And then he says, now he begins to describe it. But he says at this time, or particularly in the last days, he says, those whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast, they will wonder. We're living in that kind of an age. As people are looking at certain things, their attention is being caught to the great wonderment of what is described here in the Scripture. But the angel is saying to John, and he's particularly expressing, here is the mind that has wisdom, or here is the mind of God. Here is the true revelation of the situation. This is not something to wonder at. This is not something to allow yourself to be caught up into, John. This is something that you really need to understand the scope of what you're looking at. So you need to look at things with a different mind than what you're looking at now. In other words, John, you need revelation of what you're looking at. Amen? And so we see here, now as I, as I said, and I just want to drop in here, not for any other reason than, than to just say, there were some things that were spoken on Sunday, and I enjoyed the service on Sunday, and it was very, uh, I was blessed by it, I guess that's the way to say it, and, uh, and as we heard on Sunday, because I, I'm going to get into the mind realm tonight, and I, particularly, and I, I'll just say it this way. The mind that has wisdom is the mind of God. Let this mind that was in Jesus Christ be also in you. Alright? So now that mind became flesh and walked among us. Jesus saying, as I spoke last time, a greater than Solomon is here. But now that mind became revealed in the last days through a message. But it's not good enough that it just be a message. It has to be in you. Let this mind be in you so that you can see things the way God sees things. And as we heard on Sunday, and the reason I'm referring to it is that Brother Tom so capably preached and showed us, Now the quickening, you cannot be taught to be born again. You cannot be taught to be uh, quickened by the word. You must be born again by the incorruptible seed of God. It must be a supernatural act that changes your nature. And then you are conformed by the power of God into the image of Jesus Christ. Alright, and so so now just refreshing your memory of what was preached on Sunday morning because it will help you tonight as we just lay a few things in here uh, as simple as possible. So the preaching of the word now to those of us that have believed is to give faith or revelation. Because faith comes by hearing the word. And the power that is put inside of you by the new birth, the quickened seed gene that has a predestinated destination, if I can say it that way, that God is molding you towards something, but in that process of molding, there is revelation that must come upon revelation upon revelation. We agree with that? We are going to need revelation as long as we're still in these mortal bodies. And even Brother Branham says we'll be learning more about God throughout all eternity because he's infinite. And so we are not infinite, but He is infinite, but He put a part of the infinite in us. So faith loses the power of God that He puts within you. Just remember, it's the power of God that's in you by the Holy Ghost is powerful enough to speak worlds into existence and go and live on them. Amen. You got that power in you right now, but it's bound by a law. And that law is not a law of do's and don'ts. It's a law of faith or revelation. As much as God will reveal to you that is yours, that's how much power is loosed from within. So that's the importance of revelation. And we need revelation more than ever before. Amen. So John is, is looking at something and he's looking at it the wrong way. And the angel says, you need to really understand what you're looking at. And we could say in the age that we're living in, we need to really understand what we're dealing with. We need God to come down and take the veil off this age so that we are not uh, uh, trapped or enticed into wandering of some great thing in this age where the, we maybe need the angel Lord to come and rebuke us and say, why are you wondering at what you're wondering at? Why are you looking at the things of this world in this age in such an enticing manner when really you have been given a greater than Solomon right in your midst? Amen. Let the mind that has wisdom become a part of your life. Now, Romans chapter 12. I was thinking about this scripture. You turn with me to Romans chapter 12 if you would. I was thinking, well, you know, I already touched on that, but then I realized I hadn't preached on it because I had preached on it at the men's meetings. And so I realized that I hadn't preached on it here, so I'd just better touch on it just for a moment here. Romans chapter 12. And Paul starts out here and he says, "'I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service.' And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, that's metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I loved how Brother Tom went into Morphu and Morphe on Sunday, and, and I was really listening to that. But now this word metamorphosis, it only appears in two scriptures uh, pertaining uh, or in the scripture that are not pertaining to Jesus on Mount Transfiguration. All right. So now it's pertaining to the believer being transformed into the image of Christ. And here in the scripture, it's now I want you to notice this now. I'll try and slow myself down here just a little bit. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He's I beseech you, therefore, brethren. By the mercies of God. These are the sons and daughters of God. These are the attributes of God. You that have been quickened. You that have been born again. I beseech you now that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that word transformed, as I said, is metamorphosis. It's, it's, it speaks about to undergo a complete change which under the power of God, we'll find expression in character and conduct. So this metamorphosis finds its expression in character and conduct, not in soul. He doesn't talk about the soul here. He talks about the body. He talks about the mind because the soul is already quickened. The power is already laying there, but there must be a transforming of the mind away from the things of the world because you were raised in the rudiments of the world you were raised to have a character that was the best maybe the world could offer you had a certain culture you had a certain family you had a certain nature you have a certain language even the language that you spoke because we have a lot of multilingual people here the languages that you spoke formed your thinking and actually because of the way that a certain language is constructed because i know many languages do not have masculine and feminine pronouns and that's why sometimes you hear a preacher get up and, uh, from another country, and he'll call a he a she and a she a he, because in the English language, that's different, but in their language, it's all one. All right, so there's no pronoun to differentiate between a man and a woman. So it molds the outlook of a person. And because of the way we're raised, we have this thing called the mind or the spirit realm. The memory, the imagination, the conscience, the reasonings, the affections. And we have these things that are molded by the age. And that's what Paul is speaking about now. You need to be transformed by the renewing of this mind. Because you're born in sin, you're shaped in iniquity, you come into the world speaking lies, you have interpreted the world by an unbelieving nature, but now that you have been born again, you must bring into your mind, or you must allow your mind to become into the image of the Word. So in other words, the way that you look at things, the way that you interpret things, the way that you decipher things, must be a Word image. It must be the word image. Jesus did not look at things the way the Pharisees looked at things. The disciples took Jesus to the temple and to show him all the glory of the temple. Jesus looked at it and said, there will not be one stone left on another. They were looking at it different than he was looking at it. You know, they 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 looked at uh, uh, the man that was born blind and everybody looked at that in a certain way and said, you know, you know, what was the real reason that this man was born blind? Was his parents a sin? Was a sin in the family? Did he sin? What's the sin that this man was born blind? Jesus says you're looking at it the wrong way. He was born blind that the works of God might be manifested in his life. Why did all this negativity happen in his life? Because God wants to show that He's greater than the negativity. Why did the negativity happen in your life? Come on, don't put it on Him now. Take it for yourself. Because God wants to show He's greater than the negative in your life. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Amen. You with me so far? Alright, so the other scripture that also has metamorphosis. We won't turn to it because you know it, but 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you want to write it down, it says, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed or metamorphosis into the same image. Not at once from glory to glory from step to step. More like Him today, more like Him tomorrow, more like Him the day after that. If we're not going forward, we're going backwards. Amen. So we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. So as we deal with this realm here, and I I, I was wanting to just break it out of... <laughs> I was thinking this would make a great series and uh, uh, I'll just say because there are different minds that we have and it's not psychology that renews our minds I'm not looking at psychology when we deal with the mind realm I'm looking at the message of the hour That God has revealed His thoughts that will transform our minds if we will allow the Word to bring our thoughts into captivity to the Word of God. That's the whole process that God... He doesn't want us to respond to things in just a human way. He wants us to respond in a word way. Now, having said that, it doesn't mean that we're superhuman uh, characters and, and supernatural beings that don't have human feelings. No, because the Bible says in the in the uh, new heavens and the new earth, the, the new Jerusalem that is to come, there is where there will be no more tears. There is where there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. All right, that's the place. So then that by implication says here we'll have tears. Hello. Here we'll have suffering. Here we'll have death. Here we'll have pain. All of those things until these bodies are changed and we cross over and all of all death is swallowed up in his victory and that'll be a wonderful state of being, but we're not there yet. We're not in the millennium yet. That's why we don't have a perfect church. I got a few amens on that. There's some, Most of the people thought they were in a perfect church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's why you don't have a perfect church. That's why Brother Brown says there's three kinds of believers in every church. You no know, matter how much we do, you know, as ministry, you, you take the Word and you hew and you lay it out and, and you preach the Word of God as strong as the Holy Spirit leads you, there'll always be issues in the church. Come on, saints. You know, in malice be as children, but in understanding don't be as children, the Scripture says. You know, we got to understand why we're here. This is the place we want sinners to come but we don't want them to stay sinners we want them to get saved amen and not only that we don't we we want believers to be and some of us are immature okay i'll put put it all on myself i'm the immature one that's here for the benefit of the rest of you all right. Why? Because there's a process that's going on in our lives that He's molding us from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what church is. If we were all perfected in the new birth, we wouldn't need church. We wouldn't need it. We wouldn't need preachers. As good as these preachers are, you wouldn't need Brother Tom. You wouldn't need Brother John. You wouldn't need me. You wouldn't need Brother Ed. If you were perfected in the new birth, but you're not. There's more preaching that goes on. There's more instruction. There's more revelation that happens to mold us from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for that in our lives. So the question is a question of character because your character is what God is looking to mold. It's not nature because the nature is quickened in your soul. Your soul is quickened into the nature of God by the Holy Spirit. You're sealed until the day of your redemption. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. So we're sealed to the day of our redemption. Our soul, the devil, can't get in there. It's sealed. There's no way for the devil to get in there. Doesn't. That's why Brother Branham says a person can even lose their mind and still have the Holy Ghost. Because once you're sealed in your soul, he says you're sealed. But... Uh, I'll say it this way salvation is by grace The Holy Spirit is a gift Right You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but Character is not a gift Character is not given to you. Character is molded into you through victories Character is a victory not a gift And so then if it is a victory there must be a battle And then if there is a battle, where is the battle? It's in the mind. Amen. Amen. So we see that then in the mind realm, that there must be a bringing of the soldier or the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, into the mind realm. Even the born-again believer must present the Holy Spirit for battle. Where? In the mind. Or in other words, you've got to bring the mind subject to the nature that is in you. Let this mind be in you. All right. So John was looking at something, and I'll say, at the state that he was looking at it, he if the angel left him there, he would have misinterpreted what he saw by his own mind. But God didn't leave him there. He said, let the mind that has wisdom interpret it for you. So then I'll say tonight, the circumstances that you're going through, let the mind that has wisdom interpret it for you. Not the world, not your own carnal thinking, not your, uh, you know, you've heard it preached, I've heard it preached here, you know, don't fall back on the excuse that's just the way I am. That's not the mind that has wisdom. That's the excuse that has no wisdom. (laughs) But let the mind that has wisdom be in you and interpret the circumstance to you and bring you into the reality of what it is that you're facing. Amen? So now, this great mind, and when I say mind, I'm not talking intelligence. I'm talking that which is in the thoughts of God. These great thoughts of God, it's, as we look at it, We know in in the Bible, as we think of wisdom, we often think of Solomon. And then when Jesus came on the scene, we find that he said, a greater than Solomon is here. But when Solomon was here, and people look back at Solomon, they saw the gold. They saw the glorious temple. They saw the peace that was had they saw the the great uh, uh natural out uh, outcrops or outworking of that wisdom in the life of Solomon and so they they envision wisdom as being something that is manifested in the natural realm but when Jesus came on the scene the natural was lesser but the supernatural was greater and so there Jesus says a greater than Solomon is here and basically told them you don't recognize it. He says the queen of the south came from a long ways away to hear the wisdom of Solomon but I say to you a greater than Solomon is here. And they were looking like where's where's the palace? Where's the glory? Where's the troops? Where's because they are in their minds that's what they wanted. They wanted a natural kingdom but God was moving in a supernatural way right amongst them and they were missing it. And so they had to, there had to be a mind that was imparted on the day of Pentecost, a revelation of the word of God of what it was all about. Jesus could stand before Pilate and Pilate said, are you a king? And Jesus said, for this cause was, did I come into the world? But my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. The kingdom that I'm expressing is greater than this world could ever express. Amen. So he could stand there and say, Greater than Solomon is here. And Brother Bradham could come in the last days under the open opening of the Word where John was told to seal it up. Paul couldn't look at it. None of the the church-age messengers could look at it. Nobody could see it. But John sealed it up. There was things hidden all the way to the last days. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, all the mystery of the mind that has wisdom would be revealed. All the mystery of God would be revealed. And so people look at the message of a man with a 7th grade education, and he can hardly put his sentences together, can hardly make a statement, and they think, oh, well, it's such a humble ministry. It's so simple. It's so it's so uh, uh, sometimes hard to understand. No, it's a greater than Solomon's wisdom. It's a greater than Solomon's wisdom that God could come and express it so clearly through a man without education. And yet bring into the church the very mysteries of God so that they can receive the mind that they would need in the last days to see the things the way they need to see them. Praise be to God. So as I've been quoting Philippians 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form or morphe of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form or morphe of a servant and was made in likeness of men. I'm just telling you morphe because you were instructed on it on Sunday. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here is the mind that has wisdom. Not the wisdom of this world. Not the wisdom of man. The wisdom of man was, was Peter saying, Lord, we'll never let them touch you. We'll never let these things happen to you. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. That's not from God. That's not the wisdom that comes from above. That came from the pit of hell. If I don't suffer, if I don't die, then you can't be with me. I came to redeem you. I didn't come to just enjoy a few years on this earth. I came to pray the price as the perfect lamb of God that takes away all the sin of the world. That where I go, you may be also. I go to prepare a place for you. Here's the mind that has wisdom. Brother Branham says, and I've quoted it recently. He says, Satan, he can't stand it. He knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is, what she stands for, and that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. If they get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church, and by God's spirit discern and withstand the antichrist spirit or the spirit that is against the word. That's what Jesus did to Peter. Peter said, oh, we're, you know, because I'm going to get into this now. Peter was in a sympathetic mode because of his own mind. He says, no, no, we, we want an earthly kingdom. You know, I, I'm big enough. I got a sword. We'll protect you. You know, even in the garden, you know how he lopped off the high priest's ear. He wasn't aiming for the ear, but that's how good a fighter he was. He only hit the ear. And you know, that's when many of us, when we take things into our own hands. We think, I can do this. I got this all under control. And all he managed to do was chop an ear off. That's the way many of us are. When we do it under our own ideas or our own control, but rather let the mind that has wisdom come into our lives and give us the right attitude towards the circumstances. But Peter, you know, in his own mind, he was thinking, you know, I I got it all. Uh, the Antichrist spirit or the spirit that is against the word. It's not that it's not religious. The Antichrist spirit is religious. But it's against the word. And so this spirit... Brother Brown says, working right within the framework of the church. He says, Satan, if she can discern and withstand it, Satan will be powerless before her. He will be as definitely thwarted today as when Christ withstood his every effort to gain power over him in the desert. Now, what's he saying there? He's saying the mind that was in Christ could not be defeated by the devil. Why? Because he discerned, or he interpreted, or he filtered everything by the Word of God. I'm laying all these things in here for a reason, you'll see in just a moment. See, if we could see things the way that Jesus looked at him, if we could see it exactly the way that the mind that was in Jesus looks at things, then the devil would never defeat you. Brother Brown took a message called perfect faith. If you've never heard it, or you haven't heard it recently, or you haven't looked at it recently, you ought to listen to it. Because he says perfect faith is rapturing faith rapturing condition is what the church has to come into when the when the church walks by perfect faith in what the word says she is that's rapturing condition it's not having our own understanding our own great ideas or we understand no it's not understanding everything it's understanding who you are in the word And when you walk by perfect faith in a perfect word, like Jesus did, that brings us into rapturing condition. It's not deep. It's not great mysteries. It's not some great understanding. It's simply living only by faith in what the word says you are. Amen. Amen. There's the power of God that is loose through the revelation of the word to the born again believer. See, Brother Branham, in his ministry, he said, there's more recorded of what Jesus did in his ministry than what Jesus did when he was here in his earthly body. Think about it. The miracles upon miracles upon miracles that took place is just absolutely something that's beyond comprehension. I realize people now, with selective or I'll say revisionist ideas, try to look back at history and say, oh, well, you know, uh, Brother Branham this and Brother Branham that. No, 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 you, you needed to be there. My family was there. My grandpa was in the meetings. He was a minister. And my grandpa, he never believed this message and died not long after I was in the message. He never believed this message. But when I sat and talked to him about this message... He says, I have not one bad thing to say against William Branham. He wasn't a believer of this message. He was a Pentecostal pastor. And so when, it, when I sat and talked to him about it, that's what he had to say. He was in the meetings. He went through the prayer line. He, God touched him there. It's not something that he would go back and say, oh, well, uh, you know, I think this or I think that. Uh, that's not the mind that has wisdom. That's the mind that has foolishness. I'll just leave that one there. But with lesser than a grade 7 education, little in the eyes of the world, no money behind it, at a time when America was rising to its religious heights after the Second World War, what was the message? It was a little church of a few hundred people in Jeffersonville wasn't some great edifice it wasn't a university it wasn't a bible college it wasn't anything but but a little man slight five foot six five foot seven i don't know how big he was all of god's great men are small gives us big men complexes (laughs) but you know in all of that there in that little ministry a man could stand there and say and a greater than solomon is here and he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the one that was in our midst, and is still in our midst. Amen. And I I could declare this morning, and a greater than Solomon is here. What is it that holds us together? It's a greater than Solomon. What is it that that God moves in the way that He does? What is it the miracles that we've seen? You know, I, sometimes we forget the miracles that God does. Amen. What whose son was it? it was sam's son i don't know if sam's here tonight sam ray but his son god did something very special for him he was testifying in the school you know what did that it wasn't a preacher it wasn't the one that prayed for him it was a greater than solomon that was in our midst When I when I think of the pastor, and and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, uh, up in Grand Prairie, Brother Darren, and how his daughter had a brain tumor. And between Grand Prairie and Edmonton, as they're flying her from Grand Prairie to Edmonton, because her body's going into seizures, because she's got a brain tumor, and they've got the picture of it, by the time they get to Edmonton, that brain tumor is dissolved. That's not my words, that's the doctor's words. And how that... Well, you know, what did that? Was it the prayer of some man? No, it's not our prayers. We thank God that he hears our prayers, but it's him that does the healing. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that is the wonderful one. It's not any man that, that, that does these kinds of things and different things uh, that we could talk about even right in our midst. What is that? There's a greater than Solomon that's in our midst. And if we could get into that mind that he's in, then all things would be possible to them that believe. Oh, let's, let's just look at it. All right, I got 20 minutes left to preach about two hours worth. Our mind has been formed. Uh, I was looking at a message with some brothers last night, and uh, we were just, you know, into the message trying to do God a service, and we were talking about it. And Brother Branham starts this message 1965, and he and he says, now he just announces his title, trying to do God a service without being the will of God. That's his statement. Next statement: God is. Sovereign Period His first statement in that message once he announces his title God is sovereign Hallelujah He says there's only one way to serve God and that's by doing his will at his command And God being sovereign. There's no one to tell him what to do or how to do it Somebody say amen to that He knows the right way to do it And he says and that makes me feel good And I say, that makes me feel good. You know why it makes me feel good? Because then I don't have to figure it out. He's the one that knows everything. He's the one that has all the answers. Amen. All i got to do is to get into His mind. He says, it ought to make all of us feel good. And I'm sure it does. He says, for one would have it coming this way, and one would have it going that way, and one the other way. But He is the one that knows what He's doing. God is sovereign. God has a way of allowing certain things to happen in our earthly lives to shape us. But we must bring all of those things subject to the word of God. And we've got to understand how God operates so that we can allow him to have that operation in our lives. Because many times as human beings, the greatest fault that we have is we get, I'll say it this way, sympathetic. But it also can be a great strength or a great channel for God to operate in and I, and I won't even say that a great channel because there's a way of sympathy that is negative and there's a way of sympathy that God uses and so let me let me just look at that just for a moment because just being a sympathetic person will get you into trouble because you know to have sympathy for someone you know when you feel for somebody in just a human level that's going to draw you into their suffering in a way that you don't want to be drawn in But we we, it has to work the other way around. Now, I want to say this to start. Brother Branham never uses the word empathy. Okay, just so you know that. A lot of times we say we need empathy, not sympathy. Well, Brother Branham never uses the word empathy. He actually uses the word compassion. And he says what we need rather than sympathy is godly compassion And I remember when Solomon had those two women there that had the one baby And they were both claiming the rights of motherhood to that one baby because they had each had a baby One of the babies had died and you know the story They're actually both harlots and and they were uh, they were uh, trying to claim this one child But Solomon did not operate on a sympathetic level all right, a sympathetic level would have said, you know what, we want it. we're gonna have joint custody here. You know, you're gonna have it one day, and then you're gonna have it the next day, and you know, you can have it on weekends, and you can have visitation rights and all of those kind of things. That's the that's the sympathetic mind. Amen? But that's not the mind that has wisdom. And so uh, you know, so Solomon he just took that and said, you know what? I'll tell you what's gonna happen here. What we're going to do is we're going to take this baby and seeing as neither mother is saying that it's not hers, then we're just going to take and divide the baby. Now, of course, Solomon wasn't actually going to divide the baby, but he says, bring me a sword and cut this child in half and give them each half the child. And of course, that brought out the right sympathetic response of the mother. That brought out a reaction that said, no, 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 it, it, it just let, I'd rather let her raise it than the baby be killed. And Solomon says, well, there you go. That's, that's the right mother. Now we all might say, well, that's so simple. But you didn't figure it out. You'd have been the one saying, well, I guess joint custody is the best way to go. Why? Because you have sympathy on the child and you can only view it as a humanistic realm. Well, at least the child gets to live if it was this one part time and that one part time. No, Solomon had to rise above that with the gift that he had to take the mind that will solve the situation. Amen. Let this mind be in you. So he applied the mind that has wisdom to the situation. But now we all have a certain sympathetic mind because of things that we've been through. And uh, we have an identification with humanity. And your identification with humanity is different than my identification with humanity. You come from a different home than I come from. You come from different parents than I come from. Some of us come from broken homes. Some of us come from maybe one of the parents passed away or something. Or or someone come from a nice home and the parents were there and lived good lives. And, And those of you that were raised in message homes, you ought to thank God every day of your life. You know, I was thinking the other day, I used to think when I started having children, we started having children, I thought, I'm going to be a perfect parent. I'm not going to make the mistakes that the others made. And then after a while I thought, you know what, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. I thought, that's what it is, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. But after a while I realized there is such a thing as a perfect parent. It's those parents that haven't had children yet. They're perfect because they never made a mistake yet, right? Because they haven't had their children yet. But you all just wait, you young couples. When you start having children, you'll realize, oh, I'm not the perfect parent I thought I was. Oh, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. Maybe I'm the only one that realized that so far. But we come into this identification of humanity, and we're all different. But there's one thing we all need. The mind that was in Christ Jesus. God does not give us the new birth and leave us to haphazardly fight the battle that's in the mind. Now, this is the part that we could be on ours. You have mind battles. Listen, the devil wants to call it what do they call it? Mental illness. Is that what it is? I heard something the other day, or I read something, it was some sign or something, and they said, you know, we ought, we ought to never criticize people with mental illness because we all have something in our own way in mental illness. And I thought, well, that's a pretty carnal way of looking at it. But in reality, we all have mind battles the question is whether as brother bradham said in greatest battle ever fought and i don't have time to go through the quotes i have them here but i don't have time he says you need to get the general or the soldier i think he said general on the battlefront that's the holy spirit by the word of god you've got to get it on the battlefront the battlefront is not the soul the soul is sealed the battlefront is the mind so whether you're willing to admit it or not, you have mind battles. All right, maybe I'll just keep saying it till we get enough. Uh, we get our minds together here. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, you have mind battles. We all have mind battles. We all go through things. We all battle the scars that we have from our unbelieving days. We all battle the the ideas that's been sown in our mind that maybe gave us complexes. Things that people said against us or say against us. Things that happen that ought not to happen and things that were done to us that maybe we look at it and say that ought not to ever been done to us. But God is sovereign. And he's here to prove that he's greater than the negative that has happened in your life. But if we need to get into the mind of Jesus Christ to truly understand that and possess that, my God is greater than any battle I've ever been through. And any battle that I'll ever go through. Compassion. You know, Jesus walks through the pool of Bethesda. You know the story. There's a, there's a whole multitude. Brother Branham brings it out in many places. I'll give you a couple of quotes here in a second. But he goes through this, this pool of Bethesda. The, they're, they're waiting for the water to be troubled. So there's all kinds of sick people laying on mats and pallets and different things all over around these pools. There's just dozens and dozens and dozens of sick people all waiting for the troubling of the water because the first one into the water received their healing. And so they're all waiting there with troubles. Jesus, Brother Branham emphasizes this, Jesus goes through this multitude. He's God, omnipotent. Yes. Yeah. The fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily is now walking through this multitude. I, I have it here, maybe, I, maybe I'll just read it here. And he, says, he says, Emmanuel walking right amongst them. He says, why didn't he have compassion? If he was so full of love, why didn't he have compassion on them? People, let me not say this, not as a rebuke, let me say this with kind, tenderly Christian love. People get sympathy mixed up with love. Not his sympathy, his love. That may speak in riddles, but you'll see it after a bit. Sympathy and love is contrary to one another. Love is one thing, sympathy is another. Oh my. And so they were all, you know, going through there. Another place, he says, and people say he was so full of, of compassion. He says he, he was, but godly compassion, not human sympathy, but godly compassion. He says, what a difference. Certainly it is like two kinds of love. One's affectionate and the other is divine. Another place, he says, you know, he's walking through there. He says, why we'd say he had compassion. Human sympathy is not compassion. Then he makes a statement, knowing the will of God is compassion. Knowing the will of God or know the will of God is compassion. If you know the will of God, that's true compassion. See, when you're confronted with a circumstance and you say, oh, in my humanity, I would want that person not to suffer. That's our humanity. But in the word, character is not made without suffering. I was sitting across the table from a young couple not too long ago, and they were describing to me the things that they had been through and mental anguish and different things that they had gone through. And the sister was in tears. And, uh, and so I, I just looked at her. I said, well, I says, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that human life is about suffering. She didn't want to hear that. She didn't want to hear that. She wanted to, some comfort that would raise her up out of her suffering. I said, but life that we have here is suffering to produce character. Because without character, we're not going to rule. But we've been made to rule. And so there, there's we have to go beyond human Sympathy. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Amen. He says. So he, he describes it in another place. He says, Jesus is going through as Emmanuel. He says, he says, here's one. He says, if it was you or me, we would be walking through. You receive your sight. You get, you, you receive your healing for your, your lameness and your cripple, your limbs are healed and your ears are healed and this is healed and that's, that's you and me. That's why the, the ideas of the denominational ranks in Brother Branham's time when the revival was on, they were believing that someday we'll go into hospitals and empty them out. That's human sympathy. That's not the will of God. There was a hospital. God himself walked right through the midst. And one man received his healing. As Jesus, and he wasn't even in that bad of a shape because he could still get up and get into the water. But he just couldn't do it fast enough to beat somebody else. And so as a result, Jesus said, you have faith to be healed. And and the man said, well, you know, he says, "I, I, I, I don't get into the water. He says, take up your bed and go home. God has healed you, or whatever the words he used. And so now, as he's saying this, I don't want to just leave it there. He says, Wilt thou be made whole? That's the words he used. And the man describes his situation. Jesus sends him home. Now this is on the Sabbath day. So now, the human mind says that wasn't religious enough. Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Therefore, he cannot be of God. You read it when you go home. John chapter 5. And my, they begin to ask Jesus about it. Now, Brother Branham says, he says, Now listen as I read the following verses. When he was questioned, the 19th verse, he says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the fathers do. For what things soever he doeth, these doeth the Son likewise. What's he saying? To know the will of God is compassion. The Father showed him that one right there. That's the one I'm going to heal right now. He gets up. Maybe nobody else noticed. He just goes home. He's healed the rest of his life. Praise be to God. What was that? Compassion? It wasn't human sympathy. All right. You still with me? Brother Branham in his ministry, he always applied the word. If he didn't see a vision, he would point people to the word. You know, you were healed 1900 years ago. And yet there were things in Brother Branham's life that moved him. All right? Things that God allowed in this, I'll just say, mind realm because it's not in the soul realm, that really, it really affected him every time he saw a cross eyed child. Is that right? Why? Because his daughter, Died being cross-eyed in great pain. And so we might say, why did God allow the daughter to die like that? It was for a purpose. It was God having compassion. He, Brother Branham knew what it was to suffer the loss of a loved one so that he could feel also for somebody else who did. There was a way that God molded his spirit to bring out a natural reaction, but the natural reaction had to be brought subject to the Word of God. It couldn't just be because He wanted somebody to be healed, because He's not the healer. If, if somebody came up for prayer tonight in a physical need, as much as we would want them, I would want them. Brother Ryan's laying there right now. Brother Ryan is a great gift of God to the church. How many believes that? We thank God for Brother Ryan. We, I've been praying much for him. Lord, we need Brother Ryan. But God has allowed this for a reason. You know, there's nothing that happens by chance, but all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. Not sympathy. Divine love those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, but it's just understanding the mind of God I don't know the mind of God for brother Ryan, but I am quite sure that God is speaking to brother Ryan And when we see brother Ryan here leading songs again, maybe as he's laying there on the bed I don't know I'm just saying maybe while he's laying there on the bed God inspire him with all kinds of songs to write that he'll learn something That he never learned before in the midst of this suffering to bring something in his character for what purpose? To bless you and me. That's God's compassion. Brother Peter, is he here tonight? He's not here tonight. Probably working. Brother Peter Rekadroka, we know that the battle he just went through. He he suffered a lot with the battle against cancer, the tumor that he had and, the, and the, the treatment that he underwent. But God gave him the victory. But while he was in the battle, it's not in my notes, I'm just saying this. While he was in the battle, he had time to translate messages into his native, I think, Fiji language. I just talked to a minister this morning. He said, God's moving in Fiji. God knows what he's doing. I could tell him, I said, well, actually, there's a brother in our church that just translated quite a number of Fijian messages. You can download them from the message hub and give them out in the Fijian language over there. God knows what he's doing. It's not about human sympathy. It's the mind that has wisdom. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. Jesus was tried in all manner like as we are. Therefore, he's a faithful high priest who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Brother Bradham often referred to him and even sang the song. The great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus. All right. So there's an element to sympathy that, ha- that has to be there in the molding of the natural realm. But all things must be brought subject to the mind that has wisdom. Amen. I'll bring this to a close as quickly as I can here. Yes, we're near the end. Brother Ram says, the thing of feeling sorry for somebody and then the thing you've got to be honest with the people. That's what the trouble today. We use too much petty sympathy. That's right. You've got to tell the truth and God will honor truth. You know, that's hardest on ministers, because you get caught into situations, called into situations where you've got to deal with certain things. You've got to give them the truth, because that's the only thing that's going to help them. Brother Branham was dealing with a woman. This is the quote where Brother Branham was dealing with a woman that she was having a nervous breakdown. And he says, he sa- and he finally, the vision breaks, and he says to her, I see what the problem is here. He says, when your husband was away in the war, you committed adultery and you never confess that to your husband and 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 she's all oh, she just explodes and oh I, I i made it right with god i confessed it to god he says but you didn't sin against god you sinned against your husband and so you need to go and make that right and so as 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 she as he goes and makes it right then he he says to the uh or or i'm sorry let me just take a step back as she's not wanting to make it right He says to her, well, okay, nice seeing you. There is no other answer. You can't switch from truth to sympathy. You can't say, well, uh, there's the mind that has wisdom and then there's my ideas. No, you've got to stay with the mind that has wisdom. You've got to stay with the mind of Jesus Christ. And so so finally, you know, she says, Oh, please come back. Don't don't leave me. I I I don't want to confess to my husband. I'm just paraphrasing it. You can go and read it for yourself in the message uh, uh, Jesus on the authority of the Word, 1954. And and he says, you know, he says, Well he, he said, then another vision breaks. He says, If this will help you. If this will help you, he says, your husband, he's this and this and this, and he describes him, yeah, that's my husband. Well, I want you to know he just committed adultery the other day. So he's got something to confess to you too. Oh, not my husband. He, he's a, a Sunday school teacher or deacon or whatever he was in a certain church. And, and it was the truth. What, was it enjoyable to deal with? Not at all. But it was God. The mind that has wisdom had to deal with the situation. Then, Then they come back, they're both making it right, and they come back to Brother Branham, and, oh, we've made it right now. He says, I'll go and resign my post at the church and everything like that. He says, I'll go and quit the church. Brother Branham says, no. He says, that's not what's required here. He says, this isn't about you being a deacon or not. He says, now that you've made it right, they need you in that church. In other words, his life was in the place it should be, and his wife was in the place she should be. They had come to the mind that has wisdom. And she, they had come to the right answer because many things, many times often, even in the human realm, we would say, well, now this has to happen or now that has to happen. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in us also. Right. Amen. Brother Bradham was talking. Is it okay if I give you a couple examples here? Yeah. Brother Bradham was talking in another uh, message, spiritual adoption. He says, he says this morning, he says, I was looking at my dear little companion and I seen my little son when he throwed his little tantrum at the table with his little dish, with his eggs and things that his mother had worked so faithfully to fix for his breakfast. And she was trying to teach him to eat with his spoon and he wanted to take the wrong hand. Well, to me, I said to me, Now, brother says to me, I said, let him have that hand. He says, but the mother, no different, she knew if she let him keep on that way, he'd be either ambidextrous or he'd be left-handed. And that's not normal. I just thought I'd say that to give a complex to all the left-handed people. <laughs> I think what Brother Branham says, it's a, it's a right-handed age. And uh, it'd be easier if he's right-handed than he's. But I'm not going to try to interpret Brother Branham. What he said was, that's not normal. All right? All uh, right. Praise the Lord. I got one up on my son-in-law now. And so he says, so as a real trainer, she made him change hands, though he didn't like it. Now catch this. He says, but the mother knew what was best. Now, brother Brown's using a real simple example here, but he's saying to me, my sympathy was, was let him do whatever he wants to do. Hello. But the mother knew better. And she was trying to train him in a way that was best for him. All right. He says, many time our trainer, the Holy Spirit, we try and do it the wrong way. But sometimes it hurts us. Sometimes we may lay on the bed of affliction. The doctor may say that all hopes is gone. But it's the Holy Spirit teaching us to use the right hand. He knows what's best. He knows how the Father wants it done. He's the trainer amen he says little Joseph he wouldn't use the hand so the mother reaches up and gets her frailing stick about so long and she tapped it on the side and he looked over at me and yet I loved him with all my heart and would die freely for him but I knew mother knew best said she's training the child and then he oh this is child discipline isn't a popular subject in this age is that why it's so quiet now He says, little Joseph, he says, but remember the Holy Spirit knows best. It knows how to train you. Sometimes it taps the stick and corrects you. But you must remember that God made him the child trainer for the church. And he loves the Father, and he will always point to the Father. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now God, as we bring this to a close, He has sympathy for His children. He's touched by the feelings of your infirmity. It's not that we have an unsympathetic God. But His sympathy is only in the Word. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8, it says even the Spirit searches the heart he that searches the heart and knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. All right? Be renewed in your mind that you might prove what is the good and perfect will of God. All right. And so he says, and then he says, for we know all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Luke chapter 11, Jesus speaking, he says, if a, if a man, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. Praise be to God. God knows what's best for you, but He loves you. It's not in human sympathy, it's godly compassion. Jesus went to the grave of Lazarus, not to partake of a funeral as musicians come, but, and not to enter into human sympathy, though the Bible records that Jesus wept. But the purpose that he went there was that he was governed by the revelation that he was the word made flesh. That he was the resurrection and the life. He was following the will of God. A few days earlier, the message got to him and said, Your friend Lazarus is sick, you need to come and pray for him. And he went the opposite direction. Right. He kept going. And they said, Well, your Lazarus is sick. And after a little while, Jesus says, Lazarus sleeps. And the disciples thought he he meant rest, but he wasn't resting. Jesus said, he's dead. I'll put it in your terms. He's dead, but I go to raise him. Amen. Amen. He's the resurrection and the life. He knew that it was all for a purpose of God. If he'd have gone there under his own human sympathy, my friend Lazarus, I don't want him to be sick. I don't want him to suffer. He was sick. He suffered. He died. He was buried four days. Human sympathy would say, don't even ask. Just kind of console the sisters. Martha came to him and Jesus said, your, your brother will rise again. Oh, Martha puts it off somewhere in the future. I know, I believe, Lord, that you're the Lord. And I believe that there'll come a resurrection. And I believe my brother will come out of the grave. And I believe, you know, that he's going to be there on that great, great day. And Jesus said, but I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. He had come to raise Lazarus from the grave. He didn't come for a funeral. In their mind, they saw circumstances from a human realm. But the mind that has wisdom said, this isn't a funeral. This is a resurrection that's taking place. Amen. He knew exactly the purpose that he had come for. Brother Branham says when he was went crying to the grave, he was sympathy with the people. But when he got to the grave, there wasn't a doubt in his mind. Father, I thank you that you heard me already. But for these that are standing by, I said it. Lazarus, come forth. And the man that had been dead four days come out of the grave. Why? He knew where he was standing. He knew that he was the anointed Christ. He knew that he had God's word. He knew what God had showed him was the truth. Was there no sympathy for the people? There was sympathy. Jesus wept, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose of God is this man shall live. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what sickness you're facing. You need to look at the purpose. By his stripes, I am healed. See, demons use sympathy. They sympathize with each other. And they try and drag down to the grave. One place, Brother Branham says, You sitting there looking so strangely at me with that tie on. You've been praying, haven't you, sir? I see you knelt in a room and you prayed, If I could ever, if you could ever get near me, you'd be healed. Is that right? You suffer with kidney trouble. Isn't that true? Jesus Christ makes you whole, my brother. You stand to your feet. And he says, now there goes that spirit of blackness, a darkness leaving that man. That must have been great encouragement to that man. Says seemingly you could see it, watch it. It's got a sympathizing partner. Just a moment. There it is. There it falls. Yes, there it falls over a man sitting there with a t-shirt on black-headed man his hands on his face stand up young man you suffer with kidney stones isn't that right accept jesus now as your healer that healed you 1900 years ago have faith in god there was sympathy going on between demons that was trying to hold sickness in its place. But the mind that has wisdom came on the scene and showed the reality of the situation. You know, when this one got healed over here, this one over here was feeling it. and, and But there was a mind that was present in the room to show what was really taking place. And he could say, that's just a sympathizing spirit. You need to rise up too and accept your healing. <laughs> Amen. Jesus has already healed you. Jairus is coming to Jesus. His daughter was dying. I, I can't hardly close, but I gotta close this. He, his daughter was dying, and he he was running to Jesus, he, who had just come on his shore, on his side of the lake. And many were sympathizing with Jairus about his daughter. His anguish was real, and 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 then as he come to Jesus, and then the woman was healed of the blood issue, and the, Jairus was waiting for Jesus to come to the house because Jesus said, "I'll come to the house." And then there's a whole human element going on here. And then somebody shows up and says, don't trouble the master, your daughter died. What was Jesus' response? It wasn't to put his arm around him and say, it's okay, don't worry, something good will come out of it. No, he says, only believe, have faith in God. Only believe, have faith in God. Jesus went into the house, raised up the daughter there in the house. Hallelujah, what was it about? The mind that has wisdom. There's a mind that looked at the circumstances and saw the reality of the supernatural and looked beyond the human element. Be not afraid, only believe. Let's stand together. There's one more realm of sympathy. Brother Ram says, don't sympathize with the word. Don't look at the word in a sympathetic way. That is to say, I agree that it's right. He says here, and is your life worthy of the gospel? He says, you say, I believe it's right. That's just sympathizing with it. He says, I could believe that's $10,000. That don't mean I got it. That's cold water, but refuse to drink it. He says, this is eternal life. And to refuse to do it, one day you'll come across the line between judgment and mercy. And you won't have the privilege to come and receive it. He says, I'm not responsible for who other ministers are speaking to. But if it's right, you owe your life to it. If this is the mind that has wisdom, if this is a greater than Solomon, and I say that it is. I owe my life to it. I I don't give my life to this message because I think it's a meal ticket or because I think it's a good way to go or just a nice way to have a family. I believe it's the truth. And because of that, I give my whole life to it. Let's bow our heads together. Just play something softly, Brother Benjamin, if you would. Maybe there's somebody here that... Just want to say Lord I need the mind that has wisdom I got circumstances I cannot decipher I got a situation in my life Even as believers we have situations that are beyond our control many times I'm on my knees saying Lord I don't understand this I just don't understand it help me Lord To make the right decisions help me Lord To move in the right direction help me Lord to approach it in the right way the way you would it's not a what would jesus do thing no it's a personal experience with the lord jesus christ let the mind that was in christ come in you let your renew your mind let your mind be transformed by the renewing of it say oh god come in the power of your resurrection and change my thinking Away from what I was raised Away from what I was uh, Taught Away from any kind of If there's any humanistic Human element in me That's contrary to the word Take it out of me Lord Just take it away Let the mind that was in Jesus Christ Be in me You want to commit that to God Why don't you do that Tonight Whatever way you want to do that To him as we pray Heavenly Father Lord We we just come into your presence tonight we've been hearing your word and the presence of the holy spirit has been near wooing our hearts instructing us lord drawing us near to yourself and lord we want to come with an open heart and with an open confession tonight And say, Lord, if there be anything in my thoughts that's contrary to the great mind of Jesus Christ. You set that mind in revealed form through the message of the hour. The world can't stand it. It's too simple. It's not in their educated format. It's not in a way the wise and prudent can receive it. But you made it in a way that babes could receive it, Lord. And we want to be those babes tonight and say, let the mind of Jesus Christ be fulfilled in us, Father. Oh, Lord, may this supernatural, divine revelation that's been poured out in this age not just come into a message, but may it come into individuals, Lord, until their every step, their every thought, their every action is just the word expressed. There's somebody here tonight that says, Lord, I'm not where I ought to be. Lord, come down and change them tonight. Fill them with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Make them what they ought to be. Let them be fully surrendered, renouncing the conforming of the world and accepting the transforming power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Have your way, Lord, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name we ask you. I want to sing that song, I have a father, he knows my name. I have a maker before my heart. And before even time began, my life was in His hands.